Hello and welcome to Tiger Ventures Unfiltered. Thank you so much for joining us. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome to the show. If you're coming back, thank you so much for returning to Tiger Ventures Unfiltered. I'm your host, Anthony Hashura, and I'm very excited to feature another group of grad students this time on Tiger Ventures Unfiltered, which is new to us, but I think it's really telling of what Princeton as an institution really is. It's a very much of a research-focused place, but which still very much promotes entrepreneurship, making change through starting companies. But in this case, again, like in the case of Steven from a few weeks back, really combining this research with creating something new. In this case, you know, something that's actually very much valuable to the environment and combating a big pollution issue that we face. So very exciting to be featuring um, another grad student startup. Uh, in this case, Project Plastic. I think you're gonna love it. So, well, without further ado, please welcome Project Plastic. Well, we are so excited to have Project Plastic with us, the founding team of Project Plastic, grad students, again, a lot of graduate students uh, this year on Tiger Ventures Unfiltered, which is very exciting to, to see, uh, very excited to hear their story. So guys, thank you so much for coming. Uh, let's maybe start with, with, some, with some intros. Nathaniel, can you sort of tell us a bit about yourself? What do you do? Where did you study? What did you study as well? And what's your role within Project Plastic? Okay, uh, my name is Nathaniel Banks. I'm from the UK originally, uh, but I did both my undergrad and graduate uh, studies in the US. So I did my undergrad at Syracuse University and my grad uh, degree at Princeton. Um, my degree in both cases was architecture. Awesome. Edian? Hi, uh, my name is Edian. Uh, I trained in architecture, uh, the same program as Nathaniel for both undergrad and graduate degree. So uh, Nathaniel and I also did a joint thesis that becomes our uh, idea for Project Plastic. Nice. Uh, I'm currently the co-founder of um, Project Plastic. Awesome. And um, where are you from again? I'm originally from China. Awesome. International students. I love it. More international students. Highly approving of that. Tanner? Yeah. Hi. Uh, my name is Tanner Eggers. I am a current grad student here at Princeton, a G3 in the chemistry department, actually. So I do RNA chemical biology. Um, I grew up in Orlando, Florida. Went to undergrad at Northeastern up in Boston. Princeton nice. was actually my dream school for undergrad, but, <laughs> you know, I'm here now, so it's okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I did a couple of internships, one at Moderna, one at a different company, and um, came here right out of undergrad, and I met Nathaniel and Edian at a uh, Techstars boot camp back over the summer. I was on a different team, actually, um, and none of the team <laughs> oh, showed wow. up. None of the team showed up. And so I emailed the people and I was like, hey, can I be put on a different team? And they're like, yeah, who do you want to join? And I was like, well, I really like this Project Plastic team. Can I be put on that team? And they're like, yeah, of course. And then uh, we hit it off like pretty much right away. And uh, we ended up winning the pitch competition and they asked me to stick around. And I was like, of course. So, I love it. Well, <laughs> that's awesome. Well, wow, yeah. awesome, guys. Great to have you. So about Project Plastic, tell us exactly. Uh, I'm not sure, Nathaniel or probably Dian, uh, if you can tell us exactly what Project Plastic does so that our listeners have an idea of what's the sort of the goal of the company. Okay. For me? All right. Um, well, Project Plastic, the aim of it, the broad aim is trying to remove plastic pollutants from the environment. So, mm -hmm. you know, there are many organizations like Ocean Cleanup and all these various ones now that are rising, targeting uh, the removal of plastic specifically from the ocean. Uh, we're actually primarily focusing on rivers, which are the main access point into the ocean. Mm -hmm. And um, 
what's unique about our business is that we're really trying to focus on microplastics, so very small plastic particles that are too small for other technologies to collect. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's our current uh, our current goal is to develop technology and devices for the removal and storage of these plastics. So it's like filters of some sort? So effectively, yeah. We're, at the moment, our first product that we're developing is called the Plastic Hunter, and it's uh, it's a device that you can place on a river. And it uses, um, actually it uses plant roots at the moment. And also uh, very recently we're developing artificial roots and that acts as a biofilter that mm -hmm. can basically entrap these small plastic particles. And then I see. once they're in there, we can just remove the pad and then safely store them. So that way we can remove these plastics from the environment. Yeah. And how different is it? I guess, Tanner, you work with the with the tech and with the, you know, the research behind this. How different is it from the filters that people are using? Because I, I bet there are some you know, a few on the market that people are currently using. Sure. So there are things out there, um, but a lot of the stuff, as Nathaniel mentioned, is geared towards more macroplastics. So things mm -hmm. that are large. So you think of plastic bags, you think of bottles or straws, you know, just large things that you can yeah. see with the eye that you could actually reach into a river and pick up. If you oh, I see. Okay. Um, so a lot of the things that have been designed for that are these like very large mechanical devices that are able to essentially direct and collect these macroplastics, but they're not very good for collecting microplastics because either the the mesh size of whatever type of filter that they're using, and I won't go into you know extreme technical detail mm -hmm. of how that works, but they're yeah. just too large, basically. So these are essentially uh, let through. Um, other things are uh, a little bit more effective. You could imagine like very fine mesh nets, for example, or the, there are these things called bubble screens, which mm -hmm. are um, essentially just tubes that uh, high pressure air is forced through that create these very, very fine bubbles that will essentially act as like a screen to sort of direct the flow of, of plastic or other pollutants, debris in the water, um, but still not necessarily um, hamper the motion of bio, you know, uh, you know or, or organisms in the ocean or, or the river or the lake or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, as, as Nathaniel mentioned earlier, there's not really anything out there that's addressing microplastics because uh, they're just too small and too difficult to collect. I see. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Another thing that I'd like to add to that is that there are technologies in development for, um, say, like water treatment plants, where mm -hmm. they just add a filter there that can just, all the water runs through it, it collects all the smaller plastic particles. But that doesn't really address the broader issue because most microplastics never go through water treatment. They get washed into, oh, the, get okay. washed into rivers directly through like sewers or just on the overground flow. And there's no way in which these systems could be deployed in a river itself because it's just too much water going through and it would be too disruptive to place like a, a really fine mesh filter just across mm -hmm. the whole river. So our technology is interesting because the way the roots work is that they only interact with the very top of the water column. Yeah. But that's where almost all microplastic is because plastic is generally slightly less dense than water. Mm -hmm. So basically our system really just focuses on that but allows uh, aquatic wildlife to go underneath the pad. So yeah. it doesn't disrupt that. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, that's awesome. Well, it sounds extremely smart. You know, I probably, you know, wouldn't be able to contribute much myself, but it's, you know, it's it's a great idea. I think, you know, river pollution has been always a huge issue. I actually, so I lived in Bosnia-Herzegovina for two years before coming to Princeton, mm. and there was this beautiful river running for our city, which had a huge issue with pollution. So, mm. uh, you know, it's an issue that's close to my heart as well. So, you know, love to see that you guys are doing that. And Idian, you hinted at the sort of the, you know, the founding story behind the company. Can you tell us a bit more as to how did you, you know, run into this idea? Okay, so it started from the joint thesis project that Nathaniel and I did mm -hmm. for the architecture program. So at the beginning, we were looking into just um, normal waste recovery facilities. And then we our main focus was like the general big um, plastic pollutions in the river. And then later we zoom in into the problem, we realize, okay, there are already systems that address this problem, but there's nothing that's actually developed for the smaller pieces. But those smaller pieces are 
um, having a larger impact for the environment and for human health. So we later convert this idea into our business. We joined the first boot camp hosted by the Entrepreneurship uh, Council, and mm-hmm. then we find our first two um, research partners for this project. And then we together develop our first prototype, uh, and then that becomes yeah. part of our thesis project. I see. And later, uh, we joined the second bootcamp and we met um, Tenor. Yeah. And then we further developed uh, the prototype. I see. And that was all for architecture? Yes. Yeah, surprisingly, that was all yeah, that's for very interesting, architecture I gotta pieces. Say. And it wasn't so smooth because at the beginning we experienced a lot of obstacles from our faculty advisors because (laughs) they feel like this is not a design project. This is something that engineers should solve the problem. Fair enough. So they just can't offer any expertise here to help you make this further. I see. And then later because we entered the bootcamp and then suddenly Oh, because our team has some um, PhD, everyone just approves it. <laughs> it was it was a real swip swap. So when we first presented our idea, they were like, this makes no sense. You guys don't have any technical expertise in this. There's no way this would ever work. And then we t- did the Techstar Bootcamp, came back yeah. two weeks later with a very similar idea. Uh, so yeah. it, but it had been obviously helped, but it was a very similar idea. And they were just like, wow, this makes so much sense. After we mentioned that we had a bunch of PhDs yeah. helping us with it, suddenly the <laughs> credibility went through the roof and they were like, this is a great architecture project. <laughs> so, yeah. So it was very strange how it swapped. But, um, Crazy. But, wow. we, but I think one thing that's like they are stopping us is uh, the, the no attitude. They're feeling like mm. there's nothing we can do in this world to actually solve the problem. Or anyone who wants to solve the problem is causing more problems. They're thinking the problem as something like a, such a simple question or you have such a naive attitude towards it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think that, well, this, this extends also generally is that a lot of these bigger issues um, people quite often think that all we can really do is raise awareness of it but mm. instead of trying to actually solve it. I see. Um, so, you know, that was what we were met with is like, you know, you should guide your research towards how do we raise awareness of the problem of microplastics. Um, obviously, there is there is merit to that because obviously if you reduce the amount of plastic you're consuming, the sure. less plastic will end up in the water. But it yeah. doesn't really do much about the stuff that's already yeah, there. Yeah, exactly, right? So yeah. that's why we decided to direct our research into figuring out, you know, how can we do something about this? And that's brought us to where we are today. I yeah, mm. awesome. Wait, so when was that? When did you guys build the prototype? That was recent, right? So the first prototype was developed in January 2021. Oh. Mm. oh. Yeah. And then the second one was in uh, May. Hmm. And then we, we built, uh, but these are all like conceptual prototypes. So these okay. are like the test, test, doing really small scale tests. Um, but in terms of building a physical prototype, mm-hmm. we did that actually just, just following graduation. We actually finished um, our first ever, it's only a meter long, but it's like a mid-scale prototype that, yeah. we've, that we're actually going to deploy um, in the active river in just just this weekend actually so oh yeah. so we which river so this it's on a tributary of the of the delaware river so uh-huh. um recently it was announced that like the delaware river contributes more plastic than almost any other river in the u.s to the ocean oh wow um, so we were interested in sort of um talking about our research at the delaware watershed conference and then when we were there we bumped yeah. into another group that's researching counting microplastic in these uh, in mm-hmm. the tributaries for it and they really wanted to collaborate with us. So now we've got them working with us to deploy this thing in a small uh, tributary. Mm-hmm. Um, I see. But yeah, it's in a very polluted uh, tributary because it comes right out of a, a water treatment uh, center. Yeah. So it's basically full of plastic. 
I so see. we're going to see if our device makes a significant difference to that. And if mm -hmm. so, we've got a lot, uh, a lot we can actually do with that research to yeah. get us grants and push mm. the project further. Yeah. And down the line, the what's the business model? Are you guys hoping to sell that to governments or, you know, is that the way how you approach this? Yeah. So we have two main um, customers we want to target. So the first one is um, big companies or corporations who wants to uh, improve their PRs. So they want to be associated with a clean business. Yeah. Right. Um, and then secondly, on a bigger scale, is government river authorities mm -hmm. or um, public water treatment facilities. Mm -hmm. So I see. we can either be as an extension of a, their existing services, or we can also deploy independently on the polluted river. Mm -hmm. So I think just to elaborate a little bit more on the business model here is we have two working theories that we would like to elaborate on in more detail as we you know, mature. But one of them is to uh, outright sell these pads at a fixed cost to whatever entity that um, we're selling to. Um, we would charge an installation fee and then an annual maintenance fee for actually swapping out the pads. Um, so, you know, the, the way the pad yeah. works is it's a, a frame. And then in that frame, you have a removable membrane that um, you can just swap out. Um, effectively without having to remove the entire pad from the river because these are designed to be in uh, large arrays and mm -hmm. moving them all together would be quite um, you know, quite difficult to do. So that's one strategy. The other strategy is to do more of like a subscription-based model where there's like a monthly lease fee. Um, so we've mm -hmm. yet to work out exact uh, dollar figures and um, we haven't done the research yet to determine which one would be uh, better in terms of getting more customers or being more profitable, but yeah. those are the two strategies that we're thinking of pursuing. Yeah, well, that sounds great. You guys have thought of <laughs> a lot of things, which is awesome. Uh, and, you know, I have to go back to your background, so because that's what, that's one thing that still fascinates me. Uh, because, I, you, Tanner, you're the engineer, right? And then you guys are the architecture people. So do you ever clash in terms of how the products should look? I'm Because I guess, you know, Tanner, you have to deal with the, the more of the filtering part, and you guys, you know, kind of come up with the idea for the product. You know, or is it combined? I, I don't even know how you guys do it. And do you, um, do you ever have, you know, some sort of a clash of ideas based on the backgrounds or no at all? So to answer that question explicitly, not yet. No. <laughs> we, we oh, that's really great to hear. Surprisingly, no. we, we get along very well. Um, we, we've gotten along very well since day one. Um, yeah. We've become, you know, personal friends over this as well as, you know, colleagues. Awesome. So it, it's, it's been really great working mm. with them. Um, I think we build off of each other's ideas very well. Uh, we all contribute, I would say, equally um, to the awesome. actual... Yeah. Um, you know, like idea, ideation of this. Um, I mean, Nathaniel's the primary designer, so he comes up with all these new designs. Is like, hey, I found this new design. I thought of this new thing. Like, what do you awesome. think about it? Um, and then we'll all just sort of sit around over some coffee and talk about it. Mm. And then, um, you know, we'll, we'll tinker with it. And then, you know, it's, it's always very amicable, very productive. Yeah. Um, we usually have very, very productive conversations about this. Um, so in terms of, you know, clashing over design, Never. I think I'm, I'm, awesome. I'm, I'm so, this is a bit of a tangent, but I'm so impressed with the design skills of these two. They have <laughs> websites. I've seen all of their, not all, probably not everything, but I've seen a significant amount of their work that they've done in the past, uh -huh. yeah. um, both related to this and completely unrelated. And it's just amazing. So yeah. anything that they come up with, I'm just, I'm blown away by. And I, I, I have no authority to criticize their work. Um, and I, I know that they're incredibly capable of, of designing things. Uh, yeah. Just, just from a complete layman's perspective. And um, there's, there's no reason for me no awesome well that's a you know that's a dream team well good for you guys i gotta say you know we talk to a few different people they often have different experiences so you know i'm glad to hear that from uh from you guys and you guys are working on this full-time 
So at the moment, it has to be part-time. So normally, uh, we, ideally, we'd want it to be full-time. We actually did work full-time following graduation for a few months, but mm-hmm. you know we have to make ends meet because uh, we have to pay ourselves, we have to get all the equipment, we have to purchase all of the relevant materials, and that takes a lot of money. So at the moment, we're currently working... Um, we're currently working at an architecture practice, mm-hmm. but we're working part-time on this. And ideally, um, following this uh, deployment that we're doing uh, basically this weekend, we should have enough data to approach a larger scale grant like an SBIR or an STTR grant um, that could give us enough funding to actually make us you know, pursue it full-time. Yeah. And that, that's that's our next step. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you, Tanner, are still in school, right? Yes, I am. So you have to balance that with schoolwork. Is yeah. that ever a challenge or not? Yeah, it is for sure. Um, I see. You know, being a PhD student is obviously very demanding. Yeah. And um, I can't devote as much time to this as I would like. Um, yeah. And I can't devote as much time to it as they can. Uh, but I do try to do my best. Yeah. No, perhaps you can combine, because they combine with their studies in a sense. Yeah. Can you do that in some way? Perhaps it's a way. No, no? not really. Um, the research that we're doing as part of Project Plastic is completely distinct from the work that I do as a graduate student. Mm-hmm. And um, I, see. I, I try to keep it that way. I don't want there to be really any conflicts of interest that I could get in trouble for. Yeah. Um, so I, I do I try see. to. So, you know, as a graduate student, we are bound by how much we can work on external projects. Um, you know, it's, mm. it's typically only like you know, 10, 10 hours a week or so. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Wait, yeah. that's like an official rule? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's like 10 or 20 hours. I don't re- recall the exact you know, okay. number. But, um, you know, I, I do try to keep this sort of something that I don't, you know, like just tell everybody yeah. about because it is something that I am trying not to be too, um, like I said, conflict of interest. You know, like I don't want there to be any reason for me to get mm-hmm. in trouble with my department or my advisor or anything like that. Um, so I, see. I am a, l- a little limited in how much I can work on it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But this is your entire team right here on this podcast, right? Uh, or do you have anyone else working with you? This is the founding team. Okay. Oh, so there's more people. Yeah. Just, wow. Just, just got a couple more. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> also. Two research, um, research um, experts on the okay. team. So we, they're kind of like advisors. So we go to them. They help us develop like portable of, of um, calculating microplastic particles or how to test the efficiency of the model. And we also just recruit um, two media interns. Nice. Yeah, so that's... Yeah, because at the moment, it's very difficult for us to balance, you know, uh, designing and prototyping the product, uh, do, doing in our case a day job and in your case uh, a degree, yeah, yeah. and then um, exactly. running all these experiments and mm-hmm. doing the marketing and media because it's very demanding for a startup to do all of that. I think a key for a clean tech company is to get a word out as quickly yeah. as possible because the 100%. public is your biggest support. Yeah. Mm. So we need to really establish a reputation in all kinds of social media and also, we got a really nice advice for our websites to make ourselves the authority of microplastics, the mm. go-to people for microplastics. So that's what we aim to do in the next couple of months. I see. Mm. No, awesome. Oh, do you guys take interns from Princeton? Specifically? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, through for a program of some sort, or is it? Uh, so PSV help us to spread the word out that we are mm-hmm. finding interns, and okay. we got several applications. We awesome. interviewed them, and then yeah, it works out pretty well. Awesome, yeah. awesome. And it's great getting Princeton students as interns because they're great. They're, I, like, uh, they're I really smart. They know here. They're so great. <laughs> they're on top of everything. Awesome. I work with several um, peers who are younger than me, but like those people, they don't need me to explain much at all. They're 
already they tell me they're all nice. class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. Like we we don't need to you know they the moment we explain what we want them to do, they just understand it and they just put their nose to the grindstone and they just you know just nose to the ground. Sorry, and then they, they you get started on the work. So um, yeah, so it's just great. They just get all the stuff we ask for and beyond done. So awesome. we're really happy so far. Yeah. And I think two people that uh, Edian alluded to but didn't explicitly mention is we had a couple of um, you know, like senior level researchers on postdoc mm-hmm. in the chemistry department and then uh, somebody else who is a, um, what, is, what is her title exactly? Uh, An associate, right? Research associate. So she's mm-hmm. like a faculty. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we had these people act as Edian said advisors to us. So they've, they've um, given us a lot of technical advice on experiment design. Yeah. Um, we've had people do some data analysis for us, write some scripts for us, things like that. So they're not like, you know, I wouldn't say full time because none of us are technically full time. They're not like part of the core team, but they have provided a lot of very valuable mm-hmm. uh, assistance for us to get us where we are today. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. The reason I ask is that, you know, you guys are a fantastic company and, you know, the story, the team is amazing. So I, I bet some people who are listening to this will be interested about, you know, whether, you know, they can see and join the team. So that's why, you know, I asked about personal people because a lot of them will listen to this. So, yeah, so now they know that Project Plastic, you know, there is, that's your shot. <laughs> so great to hear that. Awesome, guys. Well, wonderful story. Uh, again, thank you so much for sharing that. And we'll always close off with, uh, we'll ask every one of you to share sort of the most important learning from the entire journey uh, through entrepreneurship that you guys have had so far. Uh, you know, try to think of, you know, if there's anything that you wish you had known in the past or something that, that you would tell student entrepreneurs, people who are, you know, grad students, now thinking of starting companies, uh, you know, what would you tell them based on the experience that, you know, you've had? Nathaniel, do you want to start yeah, off? Yeah, I can start. So for, for me, I'd say the most important thing is trying to get in touch with uh, people who have very different skill sets from yourself. So yeah. in our case, that was a big challenge. So uh architecture and i'm sure most other degrees here are, are very sort of centered on themselves there's very little interdisciplinary connection at least mm-hmm. at a graduate level yeah um so you know getting in touch with relevant expertise but in, in just different fields like we didn't have any prior experience in doing experiments and research um so we really needed to get connected with people who knew how to do that so for us i guess the textile boot camp was really our first exposure to people outside of it and that accelerated our business development so much because it mm. gave us so much greater understanding of how other people work and how to do these things that we are never trained in how to do. Yeah, mm. I see. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, Edian? My lesson might be um, to build a network and maintain the network because you'd never know whoever you know at a random place will actually become your part of your team or introduce you to another um, list of opportunities. Like, for example, we, we were just presenting <clears throat> at this... Uh, uh, water congress and then we know about this other team who are doing similar things and then we bound really well and then now we're deploying our device in part of their sites so like if we didn't go to that place we will never have this opportunity mm-hmm. it's the same thing for the similar opportunities at princeton taylor center entrepreneurial council they host those great events but unfortunately not many people sign up for them i really do recommend whoever wants to start their own business to sign up for those absolutely awesome and tanner yeah so i completely agree with everything that they both said um so i have two things that i thought of that i will say the first is just planning and vision and so what i mean by that is you know things get very hard especially in the early stages there's a lot of stuff you got to do um typically you have to balance doing a full-time job or, or a degree with working on your company and building it and you know networking and maintaining all of these relationships that you know they both just said 
Um, but you have to think about the long-term vision to get through these really hard times. You have to think about where it is that you're going. What is it are you trying to build? Is it worth it to you? Um, and having that support network is really, really valuable. So knowing that you're building this thing as a team and that you are thinking about something that's 10, 20, 30 years on the horizon that, you know, you're starting very small today, but you see blossoming into this really, really big grand project or goal, um, you know, in the long run that is going to make all of that hard, you know, those hard times worth it for you. Maybe I can add in one more mm -hmm. thing. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. This is something I learned from Tanner, actually, is to value your time. Because at the beginning, Nathaniel and I, we really love manufacturing. Like, we want to make everything <laughs> ourselves. And Tanner told us, like, we really can't waste uh -huh. so much time yeah. on things that, like, we just not, this is not going to happen at the end if you guys yeah. keep doing that. Yeah. So later, we try to outsource um, jobs. Like, we find those interns to help mm -hmm. us. The, the second thing that I wanted to say was to learn how to step outside of your comfort zone. Mm. Um, what do I mean by that? Uh, a lot of grad students in particular, they are very, very focused on one very niche area. Mm. Um, I myself, I consider myself to be a little bit different in the sense that I, I think very broadly about a lot of different things and how those connect. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, if you're going to be building a company, especially from a very early stage, you may have expertise in one particular field, but you have to learn about um, you know, you have to learn about the law, legal matters. You need to be familiar with financing and investment. You need to know all yeah. of those terms. You need to know, you know, what state the economy is in. You need to know, you know, what new laws are coming out over time. Um, you need to know how to network. You need to be good at conversation. You need to be good at recruiting people to your team. You need to be, uh, you need to be familiar with um, technology and social media mm -hmm. and web design and um, how to leverage all of those things to your advantage. Yeah. So you really do have to take a complete step outside of the realm that you're used to thinking about all of the time um, in order to become familiar with all of the different aspects that a business requires. Mm -hmm. um, and when you're a very small team in a very early stage company, you all have to sort of put your heads together and not become experts, but have a working knowledge of all of these different fields and know how to um, leverage the knowledge of others to your advantage. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. Yeah. Well, great guys. Thank you so much for all these great lessons. Uh, you know, just one last thing, where can we follow your story? Do you guys, you guys have social media, you have interns, so you got to have right, social right. media. So you tell us, you know, <laughs> how can we follow your journey? How can our listeners follow your journey? Um, our website is projectplastic.site. So, Oh, um, nice. I love free it. To check it out. Dot yeah. site. Yeah, dot site. It's got um, a great video on it, um, nice. which sort of summarizes precisely mm -hmm. what our entire business is about. What Absolutely, is, what producing. <laughs> <laughs> and we're also sort of just uh, just in the process of setting up our Instagram. So yes. nice. So I think it's a if you search for well. site, you can find our Instagram account as well. Awesome. Yeah. And then we'll have the Twitter and the LinkedIn and all of that as well. So yeah, all awesome. of the same. Thing. Awesome. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, guys, congratulations again. A wonderful job. You know, it's very inspiring story. Uh, I love it. Uh, and yeah, well, thank you so much for sharing all the lessons. We'll be watching closely your progress from Tiger Lounge and from Princeton as you guys are graduating. Well, Tanner will be here for a while, but uh, <laughs> for what, two more years? Yeah. Likely, right? Yeah. At least two more years. Uh, so we'll be watching closely. Uh, congrats on all what you have achieved already. Uh, and again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, incredible to have you guys. And yeah, all the best. Thank you so much for having Thank us. You. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in into Tiger Ventures Unfiltered. This episode of the podcast was brought to you by Tiger Lounge, as well as our incredible partners, Prospects to Ventures and Princeton Entrepreneurship Club. To learn more about the people who make this show possible, make sure to visit tigerlounge.com, psv.vc, and princetonecloud.com. <laughs>